You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Sondegard. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Okay, friends, we're finally talking about psychedelics today. In the world of spirituality and self-discovery, healing, you know, this is something that is so important and prominent. However, I just felt like, I have felt like such a beginner, such a novice in the area of psychedelics. And I wanted to find someone who could really talk about these tools, plant medicine, psychedelics, frankly, in a really gentle way. And today's guest, Lana Pribic, is totally doing that. I'm so glad I got the chance to sit down with her. So Lana is a professional life coach. She's the founder and host of the popular podcast, Modern Psychedelics. And she's dedicated her life to sharing psychedelics and plant medicines with the world through her show and her coaching. It really, you know, psychedelics really saved Lana from depression, anxiety, and this feeling of unworthiness. And she talks about that today. She has worked with a number of different plant medicines herself, and she talks about those experiences. And now she works as a coach, helping others find their path, their individual path with psychedelics and plant medicine. So again, I've been looking for the right person to talk about this. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, this is my opinion, I feel as though there is a bit of pressure and hype in the wellness and spirituality space to explore these tools. And that's great because it does have so many amazing benefits, but it is not something that we need to just mark off of our list in order to be healed. And like Lana and I discussed today, these are gifts. These are nature's gifts to us, and they have profound healing benefits. But as Lana quotes in this episode, plant medicine is for everyone, but not everyone is for plant medicine. So there's just so much research for you know, research and reflection and integration that we need to do in order to sit with this powerful tool. We must really honor the medicine and you know that's a big energy investment. So we break all of this down today. I wanted to give it to you all from a very beginner perspective, which I am, which Lana is not. <laughs> now I also have to admit that I've never done psychedelics before. So, you know, not that I don't believe in or trust in it. It's just that I haven't felt the need to explore it myself yet. But I'm so grateful to learn more about it now and continue to read and study and talk with experts in this field because there may be a time when it's it's exactly the right tool for self-discovery for me. So in this conversation with Alana, we discuss the importance of researching the history, the traditions, the lineage of the plant medicine that you decide to explore and really honoring the people that have shared these gifts with us. We talk about the extreme importance of researching your shaman or your facilitator. We talk about the difference between a therapeutic use of psychedelics and a microdose and how those are different, how you might use those in a self 
self-care versus self-healing journey. We talk about the legality of psychedelics and, you know, this evolving legal landscape because it's changing so much. At this time, you know, it's really state by state, sometimes even city by city, and is essentially, and it's largely still illegal. It's something that we hope will change. But at this point, you know, psychedelics in the U.S. and Canada are mostly illegal. We talk about the many benefits of plant medicines from mental health to smoking cessation. I mean, the, the benefits are amazing, especially when you come into it from a place of of true open-mindedness to what needs to happen, what healing needs to take place. We talk about the work of active participation with these tools, what to ask yourself if you decide to explore psychedelics, you know, what are the questions, what is the research you should be doing, and also how should you get your friends and family on board to support you through this journey. So if you enjoy this conversation, you want to learn more about Lana, please check out her podcast, Modern Psychedelics, and her upcoming microdosing program, which she talks about at the end of this episode. So more information in the show notes on that. And as a reminder, I'm not a doctor, Lana is not a doctor, and in the US and Canada, you know, psychedelics are still sadly illegal. So please take all of this as information. And as with any of the tools that we talk about on this show, make your own informed decision about what's best for you. You. If you're new to the show, thanks so much for being here. This is a podcast all about self-care and self-discovery. If you enjoy this episode and you think that someone else might benefit, please share it with them via DM or text. Sharing is truly the best way to support this show. So thank you. Thank you. And finally, if you didn't get the chance to check out last week's episode, I did an overview of self-care for each of the menstrual cycles. And I put together a little workbook so that you can start integrating some really easy, simple self-care to support you on each phase of your cycle. So check out that episode and grab the workbook with the link in the show notes. Okay, let's chat with Lana Pribic, the founder of Modern Psychedelics. Welcome, Lana. I'm so excited. I've been really like waiting, waiting for the right person to talk about psychedelics. And I'm really excited to, to learn from you. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for choosing me to be the one. I would love to just hop right into your first experience with psychedelics and perhaps why or how it led you to being the expert that you are today. Thank you. Yeah, it's so funny that yeah, a lot of people are referring to me as an expert these days and I'm just too humble to accept that <laughs> <laughs> title because I feel like I am still learning so much and yes, I do probably have a lot more knowledge than most people because of my podcast and people I speak to. Yeah. I just want to highlight that I am still very much a student mm -hmm. and my journey with psychedelics started so long ago, uh, 12 years ago on my 20th birthday. And the first time I took MDMA, <laughs> I was so nervous and uh, chemically speaking, MDMA is technically not a psychedelic, but if we think of the word psychedelic, it means mind manifesting. It's definitely a psychedelic. And I had a very beautiful experience. I was celebrating my 20th birthday with friends and we took this little substance and I was so nervous and it ended up being just the most beautiful night that I got to connect with my friends in such a deep way. So right off the bat for me, this was always deeply meaningful. And as the years went on, I entered the rave scenes and I would go out and I got really into house music and techno and of course the MDMA would <laughs> supplement those nights out. So I had a very recreational relationship 
for a while. And then I tried mushrooms and I had a very spiritual experience. And I started realizing like, wow, okay, there's more than meets the eye. And then I tried LSD one year and I was a smoker at the time. I was smoking cigarettes like a good raver girl. And <laughs> I <laughs> I realized during that first LSD trip that I, I was just sitting alone by the fire at this festival and was having the best time and day with my friends dancing in the sun, playing with bubbles. But I had this moment to myself at the fire and I was like, I really don't like that I'm a smoker. I really don't like smoking. It's so damaging to me and the earth. And I really had this like come to Jesus moment about it. And I was like, I'm going to quit. Mm-hmm. And I had my last cigarette that night. Wow. I have not smoked a cigarette since then. And then I went home and I started researching psychedelics and how they work and learning about the default mode network and neuroplasticity and all that stuff. This is probably around the time when Michael Pollan's book came out. And I was just like, wow, there is definitely something powerful here because I cannot believe that I just quit smoking. And then fast forward a few years up until now, like I said, the use has been very recreational. And then I started learning about medicines like ayahuasca and iboga and DMT. So the seeds were being planted and it wasn't until I went through a devastating breakup with the person who was my first love and just really big love. And I didn't know how to go on in life. It was really a challenging time. And I'm so grateful that I can speak about it so lightly now because it's been such a journey. But I went to ayahuasca when I felt like therapy was just not taking me further. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I was just hitting a wall and I was being limited. And I strongly, strongly felt that it was time to sit with ayahuasca. So I did. And that began a three-year relationship with that medicine. And over those three years, I learned so much about myself and how I relate to the world and healed many, many, many things, including my heart. And just recently, I had the most powerful experience of my entire life with a medicine called Iboga. And that really was the final nail in the coffin, took me to the finish line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Not that I'm like, you know, my work with psychedelics is not done. It took me to the finish line in terms of it really brought me home to myself. It really woke me up to the gift of life and made me stop grasping on the spiritual path and really opened my eyes to what is in front of me. It was a deeply meaningful experience for me. So in a nutshell, that that has been my journey so far. <laughs> mm, so much. There's so much I want to ask. And Iboga is one that I am super curious, but I don't know that I've I've heard as much. But you had talked on a podcast recently on one of your episodes about how it made you appreciate just being, you know, in a human body, that human experience. And that's something in the spirituality space that I'm in that I I have to remind myself, right? That we are we've we've chosen to be here. And that comes with the suffering, that comes with the pain at times, but that ultimately comes with these gifts. And the way you speak about Aboga just made me really appreciate that again. So thanks for, mm-hmm. for talking about that. Can you mm-hmm. share, I'm for listeners and for me, <laughs> admittedly, what 
these different um, plant medicines are and what the differences are between, say, a therapeutic dose or recreational dose or microdosing. Like, can you just walk through them for the new ears out there? Yeah. So, where to start? So, so many medicines are indigenous to different areas of the world. So, iboga is from. Uh, West Africa from a small country, the size of Colorado called Gabon. Mm, okay. And that's the only place in the world that it grows. Ayahuasca is Amazonian and it grows all over the Amazon rainforest. Um, you know, mushrooms indigenous to Mexico, right? The, the 5-MeO-DMT is indigenous to the Sonoran desert, the Sonoran desert, desert toad. So the, the differences really start there because each medicine has such a cultural underpinning in determining the way that it is worked with and honoring those traditions and working within those traditions is such a important part of choosing to work with plant medicine with the exception of 5-MeO, which I don't think actually has a lineage behind it, but I, I might be wrong. <laughs> might have to fact check myself on that. Mm -hmm. So that's really the starting place of understanding these medicines and really honoring where they come from and the people mm -hmm. who have shared them uh, with the world. And, you know, sometimes they don't, they don't always want to be shared <laughs> um, in terms of uh, dosing. Yeah. So dosing is very specific to each medicine that you work with, with each substance that you work with. And, you know, people can find that type of information online. You know, a flood dose, for example, is a very high dose. It is the highest, safest dose that you can receive. And, you know, with ketamine treatment, they do, they typically do flood doses. With the Iboga sessions that I received, I received a flood dose of Iboga and wow, was it fucking powerful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I to swear, but mm -hmm. yeah, um, with ayahuasca, it's from the shamans that I have worked with, it's much more intuitive. And you take mm -hmm. a um, a drink from a cup. And I, I honestly am not sure how they dose ayahuasca. So yeah, with each medicine, it is so dose dependent. Um, ketamine, for example, is a medicine that can have profoundly different effects based on the dosage and how much you take. For example, if you're using ketamine recreationally, you do not want to do a flood dose that is going to bring you into a K-hole. Mm -hmm. So all that to say... Uh, dosing is such an important topic to educate yourself on and to research before diving into this world because, yeah, they can have profoundly different effects at different doses. Mm -hmm. And then microdosing, what is that in in relation to say these these more therapeutic experiences? Yeah, so I always say microdosing psychedelics is not a psychedelic experience. Okay. It is a way that we can use psychedelics as a tool. Mm -hmm. And it really has three elements to it. So it is a sub-perceptual dose taken over an extended period of time with intention. So there's those three elements. So sub-perceptual, meaning that you shouldn't really feel too much. Like I did a microdose of LSD today, uh, full disclosure. And like I can tell that I've taken a microdose because everything's just a little bit elevated. It's almost like everything has like a bit of a silver lining. I can be more present. I can access mm -hmm. the flow state more often, but I'm not like I'm having a conversation with you. I'm mm -hmm. fully here. 
I'm fully functioning. I could drive a car if I needed to. I can coach my coaching clients. Um, it's very functional. It um, helps you to be more functional if you get the dosing right. And then, so that's subperceptual over a period of time. So you want to do it within a protocol. You want to follow either the uh, Fadiman protocol, which is every third day, or the Stamets protocol, which is every, or you take a dose for either four or five days in a row and then take two or three days off. Um, I personally do the Fadiman protocol. And then with intention, psychedelics are mind manifesting. So they literally <laughs> help us kind of see what's going on in our mind and actually create the experience that we are perceiving in our mind. So having an intention going into a microdosing protocol is very important, which is different than a expectation, but just knowing why you're doing it, really committing yourself to mm -hmm. the process and knowing that, you know, you're not just going into this to like have fun or see how it goes or whatever, just being very intentional with it. So whether that means um, having a ritual for taking it in the morning or keeping a journal to track your progress, just checking in with yourself all the time is kind of that intention piece. Okay. Thanks for that clarification. Is cannabis uh, considered a uh, hallucinogenic or is that, does that count? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, it definitely can be, it really, you know, opens up your mind and helps you see things from different perspectives. Cannabis is an incredible integration tool for higher doses. Mm -hmm. I've had many ayahuasca experiences where I will smoke cannabis after some time has passed. And then it'll just help me see what happened in ceremony with a totally new perspective mm -hmm. and like kind of like takes it a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. I just love all, I just love all the tools that we have. <laughs> mm -hmm. So for the, again, for me, the beginner, and yeah. I should, you know, make sure to note that you are in Canada, I'm in the US. Oh, yeah. What is the legality around this? And and I know it's changing and it's obviously yeah. different in lots of places, but <laughs> any insight on that? I'm definitely not the expert. I um, know that we're making amazing progress in that realm with getting things rescheduled as they should be. Um, and it's more of a state-based legislation. Um, in Canada, it's more of a province-based legislation. We're definitely making a forward momentum and yeah, just making progress. Um, but yeah, it is largely illegal to mm -hmm. have psychedelics in both Canada and America, but you know, that doesn't seem to be stopping the people. And, you know, I think we hold a lot of responsibility in educating people about the reality of what these substances are, because the truth is that they were scheduled in the way that they were because of a drug war that was largely based in racism mm -hmm. and largely based in keeping people in prison. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of misinformation and misguided <laughs> perspectives about what psychedelics are really like and what they have to offer to us. So yeah, it is illegal, but people like myself, people like like organizations that work with psychedelics in various ways, like this is an all hands on deck operation. Like we need <laughs> all the people to really create a change at the societal and cultural level. 
Um, and I'm just so appreciative of everyone out there who's putting in the work to, yeah, bring these tools to humanity because they are our birthright. And it is our birthright to be able to change our consciousness in any way that we we desire to. Like, why can we only change our consciousness legally with alcohol? That's crazy. Mm, yeah. Another whole other rabbit hole. Like when it's something that literally is so detrimental to our well-being. Yeah. So I think there for those people that I know that have regularly done this before, they've had in especially in therapeutic situations, they've had guidance. They've had someone, whether they go to another country and work with a shaman or they're in a in a ceremony of sorts, there's a lot of guidance. Would you say, I mean, is that true for, I guess it's not like the way you're describing it, probably not true for all experiences. It's not necessary, but for those that are beginning, having some guidance, is that something that you see that's important? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Especially when starting out, uh, having a skilled and humble guide mm-hmm. is very important. <laughs> There's a really big issue in the space around unskilled providers who, you know, maybe are not trauma informed or who are not even aware of their own projections and mm-hmm. how they're placing their projections and worldviews onto the people that they are guiding. And what happens when we're under psychedelic medicine is that we are very open and very receptive to new information. So, right, imagine you're in that state and having like conspiritual worldviews, for example, being (laughs) talked about at an ayahuasca circle, for example since you're very receptive to that information, you take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. I believe that the best guides are the ones who allow the medicine to do most of the work and they're there in the background and know when to come in and know when to intrude. And they have been you know, properly trained with something like Iboga or ayahuasca. That is absolutely not something you want to do without someone who knows what they're doing because mm-hmm. you are opening up different realms Um these these plants do need assistance from other realms to really help with the process. You know, things like mushroom mushrooms still can be really scary if um, done alone for someone yeah. who's doing it for the first time. So, yeah, there, I, this is a huge topic. But yes, it's very important to not only have guidance, but to have really compassionate humble guidance from someone who knows that you have all the answers within yourself and that the plant medicine is just there to help you bring that out and to connect to that within, you know, if someone is shoving some sort of dogma or worldview or perspective down your throat, then yeah, run the other way Mm -hmm. because this medicine path is all about finding your truth and what's true for you. And connecting to yourself and being in that position of power can be very, um, it can be very attractive to use your power in that way, to influence people in that way. Mm -hmm. It makes me think so much of sort of the history, the more recent history around yoga teachers and specifically this idea of like a guru and the misuse and abuse of that power. And 
hopefully, you know, we can get ahead of it in this experience. We can understand, like you said, doing that research, finding guides, that humility. So, so key. And for our, our own safety, truly um, so important. Yeah. Terrence McKenna, who is a huge thought leader of Mm -hmm. psychedelic space said, avoid gurus, follow plants. (laughs) I love that. Yes. I love it. Yeah, The plants really teach us to be our own guru. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the benefits before I ask more questions about some of the things that yeah. I kind of roam in my back of my mind about perhaps fears, but from the benefits, because obviously this is changing lives. Why might someone want to seek out psychedelics for mm-hmm. their, their journey in this life? Yeah. You know, I, I actually try not to recommend psychedelics to anyone because it's such a deeply personal journey Mm -hmm. to decide to work with psychedelics or medicine and which one to work with. And, oh man, the benefits are just, that's hard to talk about because what I know about psychedelics is that they really meet you where you're at So let's say you're at a five-session ayahuasca retreat where you get five sessions of ayahuasca. Each time you sit with ayahuasca, you will be a different person because of the work and Mm. transformations that have happened since then. So because the medicine meets you where you're at, it kind of gives you what you need at that time. So the benefits can be very, very, very different for a lot of different people. I think at the core of it, though, is a greater connection to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And disconnection is really the root of so much suffering that we see in the world. So much unprocessed trauma, right, is rooted in that disconnection from the self because the self realized it wasn't safe enough to be there, so it did what it did. Mm -hmm. That was the, the trauma response, right? So I think that's a great way to put it. It's that reconnection to yourself and... A lot of people find a greater connection to nature and the earth and their true nature Mm -hmm. being from earth, from the earth as well. But, you know, people take psychedelics for a variety of different things. A lot of people have found great lasting relief from depression and anxiety. I can't even tell you, Ashley, who I was before embarking on this journey I was so anxious Mm. like full-on panic anxiety attacks and I really struggled with depression as well um my mental health has improved vastly Mm. since embarking on this path and there's so many other things that I do which we can maybe talk about different tools that support this but yeah that connection to self um, mental health, spiritual awareness. Yeah. I, I'm going to leave it there. Cause there's, there's so many, so many benefits <laughs> and just exploring yourself in a new way, seeing yourself in a new perspective, seeing the world in a new perspective. Like that's what they do. They kind of like open us up to seeing things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Get us out of that, that loop, those loops, those stories that we have been telling ourselves our whole lives. It give us kind of like an opportunity to see it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. So powerful. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I like even the word loop when I think about trauma and just like looping back and forth and re-experiencing trauma without even realizing it. And this being a tool that can pull you out of that loop for the first time. Yeah. That's really profound. And, and, you know, in wellness, in this world of just truly like wellness obsessed, and I'm one of those people, I do feel like there is this excitement around psychedelics and plant medicine right now. And I guess my question, and maybe you don't have the answer to this though, is that, is it for everybody? I mean, does, is it something that, you know, like for me example, oh man, I'd love to explore it, but I don't feel like it's something I need to do right now. So maybe that's okay. Is it something we need to mark off our, our to-do list? I'm, I'm no, guessing not. Definitely not. <laughs> okay. My ayahuasca shaman says ayahuasca is for everyone, but not everyone is for ayahuasca. Mm. These are tools, right? These mm-hmm. are medicines. These are plants. These are gifts from the earth to humanity that are there for us to use, but not abuse, mm-hmm. right? Not abuse. And is it something that anyone should do or needs to do? No, absolutely not. Um, to sit with a psychedelic medicine is a deeply personal decision. And I believe that it should come from your heart. It should come from an inner knowing, not a stirring of the ego, not a, oh, well, everyone's doing it. Yeah. So I need yeah. to do it. Because that's actually when people tend to have the difficult and challenging experiences mm-hmm. because internally they're not there yet. Internally, they're not committed. And this is deeply internal work. And then they go to this medicine coming from the ego and the medicine shows them that. The medicine mm-hmm. will show them their ego. And that's when things get really messy. There's no rush. These medicines have been here and they will continue to be here. (laughs) There's no rush to jump into an experience that you don't internally feel ready for. So that calling of the heart, not a stirring of the ego, as Carlos Duran said on episode two of Modern Psychedelics, that's how we should approach these medicines. Yeah. The number of podcasts that I listen to that, you know, whether it be they're exploring their spirituality or wellness, and it it seems like it's everywhere. And that's amazing. And I think you're right. There's so many people that it's really benefiting, but I, it isn't something that it's not a one size fits all, obviously. And it's not a one size fits all. And it's also not a magic pill. Yes. This work actually requires your active participation And that begins with you committing to the process of it, which is the opposite of like taking the thing, the medicine, the psychedelic, whatever, swallowing it and expecting it to do the work for you. That's Mm. not how this works, but it does offer you a space. It holds you in a space so that you can do the work so that you can show up for yourself. What is the work then? What is that active participation? What does that look like? Yeah. So a lot of that has to do with knowing how to work with medicine and learning how to work with medicine. It is a process to learn how this is such a different modality Mm -hmm. than uh, taking a pharmaceutical or even talk therapy where the therapist is holding your hand and guiding you through it. To be an active participant in your healing means being willing and open to confront yourself no matter what comes up being open to look at whatever comes up, being loving and accepting and compassionate to yourself as you do the work, giving yourself space and time to integrate and reflect, 
giving yourself grace and giving yourself room to grow from the experience. You're so eloquent, eloquent at speaking to this because (laughs) it's very layered, right? It's so, there's so much. so complex and I'm very passionate about breaking it down as it is because yeah, there's some interesting narratives in the mainstream around psychedelics and how to use them, especially with the clinical applications. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack. Thank you for acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. So for someone that is okay, you know, they're, they're convinced this is the answer they've been doing talk (laughs) therapy for years, but they're just like, yeah, I want to find some of these, these things that are in the back corners of our consciousness. What are the risks that people should know about? What should they do their own research on and just be fully informed on? Mm, Great question. Yeah, of course, the facilitators or guides that you want to work with, right? That is key. Um, You know, really asking yourself, like, do I have space for this right now? Do I have space to embark on this right now? Um, Because as much as we love to control things, and as much as we say that we have an intention, but it's really an expectation, which is rooted in control, right? This is things that I see in the space we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to show up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really asking yourself, like, am I willing to look at whatever comes up? Do I have space for that? Like, this is serious work. Let's say the medicine shows you something or helps you see something or uncovers something that needs a lot of space to work through. It doesn't just end there. Like, what do you do with that after? Having an integration plan, support system, team, right, to work with after. And of course, not everyone is financially able to afford working with a coach or um, whatever, doing a program. But, you know, do your friends and family know what you're about to do and why you're doing it? Hmm. Are you able to be honest with them and ask for their support, enlist their support, really be honest and say, I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this because I believe it's going to make my life better. I would really appreciate your support, right? That makes a huge difference. Choosing medicine, right? Calling from the heart, not a stirring of the ego. Knowing your dosage and making sure that the guide or facilitator knows the dosage, Mm -hmm. Um, checking where things are being sourced. If sustainability is important to you, checking that things are sustainably and ethically sourced, which honestly should, I think, be a priority for all of us who decide to work with with psychedelics, um, especially plant medicines. And what else is important to, to ask yourself? I think it's really important to check in. I'm going back to this for the third time, but check in on what are your expectations? What outcome are you hoping to get? And being like truly willing to being truly okay with that not necessarily happening in the way that you imagined. Hmm. There's a great deal of openness that is required for this work and people who are very kind of like rigid and um, kind of like masculine oriented might have a bit more trouble, but it's okay. The medicine can break you up over time. <laughs> I used to be the most rigid person ever too. Yeah. 
You know what it's making me think of right now? It's making, so I'm still somewhat postpartum at this point. I have, I just had my third daughter and it makes me think about birth. Like so much we have our expectations about what we want. And while that is very doable, it's also, you have to be open to all experiences. It just, and I imagine this is very much that rebirth of our own selves. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. If we're lucky. Yeah. So then are there, there experiences that quote unquote, go bad though, you know, having a bad trip, like that's my, that's, you know, straight truth is my rational fear is I'll come out a different person and I won't see my family the way that I always had. (laughs) Oh yes. Such a good one. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might happen. Mm -hmm. You have to be open to that. But there's also no rush to make decisions mm-hmm. so quickly after an experience. And that's why that space piece is so important. Um, You know, I don't recommend people to go into these experiences and realize like, oh shit, I don't love my partner anymore and I'm going to go home and break up with them right away, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 sit with it, sit with it, unravel it, find the meaning in it, sit with whether it's true or not for you. It doesn't have to be a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I've seen that with quite a few of my clients of like, I don't know who I'm going to be on the other side of this. Right. Yeah. And uncertainty is really scary. Mm. That's why we do manifestation, right? That's why we try to control our lives by manifesting all the things, controlling the outcome. This work <laughs> is the opposite of that. <laughs> do you think they work together in any way? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I mean, I think the more you become connected to yourself, the more you become just a conscious creator of your life. What which you I actually want. Yeah. 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 Whereas, you know, after Ibo- my Iboga experience, so Iboga is a very earthly grounded medicine. I don't know if you listened to my. I did. Is this or... the frog medicine? Yeah. Is it the frog? No, this is the African root bark. Medicine. Okay. The, Which one is uh, yeah. the frog poison? That would be uh, <laughs> Cambo is actually yes, not yes. a psychedelic though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank um, you for clarifying. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So after Iboga, I have to say I completely released so much of the fluffy spiritual stuff that I Yeah, I heard you talk about this. Oh my God. So it really helped me realize that manifestation that I was doing was just so rooted in such a deep discomfort with uncertainty and such a desire to control outcomes and to control what happens in my life. Mm. Whereas now I'm like very much focused on the present moment and being open to whatever happens. And that doesn't mean that I don't like get to choose and direct where my life goes, but it's like a different, it's not a grasping yeah. I, everyone, I'm going to direct everyone to that episode because it was really, I, we talk about manifestation a lot in the show and I, I, I really have such belief in putting energy towards the things that we know are possible for us. And to your point, when we're so tied up in the outcome that we lose sight of what's happening in front of us, yeah, we're not even, I mean, that's not manifestation. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's just like yeah. you said, the ego. It really comes from this energy of force. And yeah. Yeah. Kind of like 
a fear of, well, if it doesn't happen this way that I want it to happen, then what does that mean about me? Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. then we don't even want to go there. Mm-hmm. I think true manifestation and true healing is, is so much surrender so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So outside of psychedelics, before we talk about your, your program coming up, which I'm so excited to share with listeners, what, what do you like to do in your self-care self-discovery? Mm-hmm. Like what's a part of your everyday your rituals and your practices? Ooh, I love this question. I think I have a bit of a odd answer to that. Um, You know, I have been watching people's morning routine videos on YouTube (laughs) since I can remember. And, you know, it's been a decade of trying to figure out what that should look like. And I have really landed in a place that I'm so happy with right now. I really love to read. And that is something that has been true for me always. Like since I was a little kid, I used to get in trouble in school for reading while the teacher was talking. Like I was just such a bookworm. And that is the one thing that I honor almost every single day because I really want to, and I love it. So, you know, my morning routine is pretty chill these days. Like I wake up, I feed my cat who I love and I make a coffee and I read and then I might go hit the gym. And I am really focusing on walking more and spending Mm. more time outside and breathing in fresh air. And there's other practices that I have like journaling, which I'm very gentle with now. Like I, it's, it used to be this thing where I was like, I need to do it every single day. And if I don't do it every single day, then I'm going to be unhappy and unproductive. Like I had all these stories around like all the things I needed to do. Mm -hmm within like the first two hours of my day, which was so exhausting and stressful. And now I'm just really following my energy around what feels good. Like I don't meditate. I hate meditating. (laughs) (laughs) I love going out dancing with my friends. Like I still very much go out to raves, but it's a ritual to me. Like Mm -hmm. I get to wear these like fun furs and things that I wouldn't normally get to wear. And I always set like a party intention, especially if I'm taking a substance. And I just never feel as fully present as I do on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. And I'm just just like fully there with the music, with my body dancing. Like that is such an important part of my practices. I also get coached every week. Coaching is an incredible tool for me. I love it. It's such a great check-in point once a week to check in with my coach and see just like what feels stuck and what feels funky and what feels weird. And we just get to like bang it out in 45 minutes and then I get on with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really like to move my body and I've really been letting go of what that's supposed to look like. I'm getting back into yoga now. Yes. I've been practicing yoga for 15 years. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do boxing, like Muay Thai boxing, just lots of walks. Um, yeah, I've really just given myself a permission slip to not do all of the things that I always thought I should do. And Absolutely. Do the things that feel good and mm-hmm. feel right. And the story now is that, you know, I used to believe that if I don't do my perfect morning routine, then my whole day is going to be fucked. It's just not dependent on that anymore. Right. For me, it's not. 
Yeah. People need to hear that. There's so much. I mean, I love, same with you. I'd love, give me a real, a TikTok about morning routines. Love to see what people are doing, but in practice, we have to just listen to what is best. What kind of books do you like to read? Like what's your, what are you reading right now or anything that you really love? Oh, I'm reading a great book right now called You Were Never Broken by Jeff Foster. It's a Mm. series of poems, really amazing Iboga integration piece around acceptance and being present in the moment and how all suffering is rooted in, you know, living in the past or being in the future. Super quick, beautiful read. I'm reading Normal People. Have you ever watched the series? I, yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. I'm finally reading the book. It's awesome. And I'm reading right beside me here, The Art of Laser-Focused Coaching, an incredible book that's helping Mm. me refine my coaching skills. I love reading books about plant medicine, of course. I just finished one on MDMA called Trust, Surrender, Receive. There's one on Iboga that I love called Iboga, the Root of All Healing, Um, Listening to Ayahuasca. Yeah, I I really love the whole gamut of books. I love that. I've been trying to ask that more of my guests because I love to read as well. And I love to read trashy romance novels because it takes me out of my, like, it's like my, yep. you know, turn off for the night, but it's so totally. fun to hear what people are interested in because there's so much goodness. I'm going to link some of those in there. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. So before we, we go, I'd love to hear more about this program that you're launching with microdosing and how people can get involved with that. Yeah. Thank you. You know, for people who are listening that are wanting to dip their feet into psychedelics. Microdosing is a great tool. Um, Like I said, it's not necessarily a psychedelic experience, but it is a way that we can use psychedelics to make our lives better. So the program that I have created with my friend Jenny is called Flow Formula. And I'm really excited about it because yeah, I've been podcasting now for three years almost, and I have not yet put an offer out there for the community. So it's very exciting. It's a big deal. And it's called Flow Formula because it's basically an eight-week program to uncover what works for you to help you live in the flow more often. If you can't tell, I'm very non-prescriptive. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm very- I like, love it. Find what works for you. Like, yo, you do not have to meditate or do breath work. Like you just don't. Mm-hmm. You do not. <laughs> I promise you. And yeah, so it it's a microdosing course, but it's so much more. So we spend the first week learning the fundamentals of microdosing and really setting that up. And then we're going to spend six weeks together microdosing while going through like a life coaching program. Basically, mm. I'm personally going to take people through, I think it's three or four modules around, yeah, those stories, those beliefs, those ways of seeing ourselves that kind of default and kind of aren't serving us anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great thing to do while microdosing because the microdosing really supports new ways of thinking, new neural pathways forming, um, new habits, like starting new habits. And then we also have um, a module on nutrition. My my um, business partner who I'm doing this with, my friend Jenny, she is a certified holistic nutritionist. So she's going to oh, cool. talk about that where you have a nervous system module. We have some amazing masterclasses with uh, the psychedelic scientist Manesh Gurn and Laura Dawn. I mean, I'm so excited about this. It's 
built around the idea that everyone is unique and what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. So we've really created this container for people to like be in the sandbox and play around and have fun. I love fun. I love humor. I love lightness. I think we can have fun and use humor even while we're healing, even when we're in the depths, it's like a lifeline and it's a pilot program. So it's the first time we're launching it, but, um, that means the, the, Price is really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds so, amazing. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And we're providing people with a list of um, vetted and trusted brands that we have personally tried or worked with for microdoses. That was my next question is how does that work? Yeah. Is that an, if someone say didn't want to microdose and just wanted to go through the experience, could they do that too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And cool. we even have a supplier that does non-psychedelic microdoses, which has a similar effect to mushrooms. So like we've got you oh. covered if that's you. Yeah. That's so interesting. So that's a you can microdose and receive the benefits, but you're not going to have that sort of that experience of perhaps lack of control. I mean, not I don't know how to even put the words into it. Yeah. If you're if you're truly microdosing, there should not be any sort of issues with control. Okay. Um, you're fully like, you're even more present than you normally would be. Like you're even more, you're in even more control than you would be. Mm-hmm. Remember what I said about psychedelics, how yeah. the dose greatly yeah. impacts the experience you'll have. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And part of that is getting the micro dose right. For yeah. We're yeah. Talk about. Okay. Oh, Lana, this was beautiful. I learned so much. And again, I'm really glad I was able to have you on to dip it, you know, our toes into this. And next up is have someone come and talk about the science behind it, if, if that's something people are interested in. But I just, I think coming from a space like you bring, which is very open-minded about it, right? They're like, you're saying no prescription, no, <laughs> no routines, no morning routines that are necessary at this point. It's like really li- listen to yourself about what how this might play into our wellness existence, our experiences, our rituals. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. It's all about just bringing it back to ourselves. Yeah. Bringing it back to you. Like we truly have all the answers inside of us and these tools, you know, hopefully help us to find them, Mm -hmm. find the answers within. Can you just leave listeners with where they can find more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So my platform is called Modern Psychedelics. So it's it's a podcast. So you can find Modern Psychedelics on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. There's about 50 episodes already released. Um, and I'm on Instagram, Modern Psychedelics, or Lana Perbic is my personal. I'm pretty good at answering DMs. Um, I love to connect with people. Connection is one of my values. And, you know, I, I just, I love to connect with people in that way. And then the website is modernpsychedelics.net, where you can find more about my one-on-one coaching and show notes from the podcast and all of that. Awesome. Thank you, Lana. I appreciate this so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for being here, friends. Thank you to Lana for sharing this amazing insight. Please check out her podcast, Modern Psychedelics, and more information on her program that's coming up in the show notes of this episode. If you enjoyed this, consider sharing it with a friend, leave a review, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'll see you next week.